Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Injustice in the United States. I'm your host, Dylan Blanchard, and in today's episode, we will discuss injustice within the voting process. I know, please, everyone, contain yourselves. As always, if this content is too much for you or it offends you in any way, shape, or form, please click off now. With that said, let's get into it. Let me start off by saying voting should be as easy and convenient as humanly possible. In many cases, it is. But, unfortunately, across the U.S., too many politicians and states are passing measures and laws making it harder to cast a ballot and or opinion. For, unfortunately, it feels as though the American government is trying to manipulate uh, political outcomes, and, unfortunately, the result is a severely compromised democracy that doesn't reflect the will of the American people. To begin, we will first look into the history of this injustice and how it has become such an issue in our modern-day society. Second, we will look into current problems that have occurred within the past 10 years or so. And lastly, I will offer a potential solution that even you guys, the people at home, can get involved with. That said, let's get into it. So first I'd like to talk about the history of voter injustice and how it started and became a modern issue in our society. The history of injustice in the voting process goes back as far as 1965, believe it or not, with the Voting Rights Act which prohibited racial discrimination voting was created. But due to constraints on the poor and minority, uh, I know ironic, uh, the 24th Amendment was created and outlawed it. Now, according to an article by the Voting Rights Act American Civil Liberties Union, uh, since 1965, the Voting Rights Act, also known as the VRA, has protected minority voters at the polls for years. This act stated and outlawed the discriminatory voting practices adopted in many southern states after the Civil War, including literacy tests as requirements when voting. Fast forward 40 years later, in April 2005, the legislature amended Georgia law to require the presentation of government-issued photo ID as a requirement for voting on election day. The new law reduced the number of acceptable types of identification from 17 to a measly 6. So to summarize that, I guess, would be to say that Georgia thought it would be a fun idea to make everyone have to use a issued uh, government-issued photo ID, and because of that, it lowered the amount of forms of identification you can use, and that was a very bad decision on their part. So instead of accepting social security cards, birth certificates, and even power bills, the new law mandated that driver's licenses, passports, military IDs, or local, state, or federal worker identification cards must be presented instead. Fast forward another eight years into June 2013 in a huge blow to democracy, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the coverage formula used for Section 5 of the VRA, which required jurisdictions with significant hist histories of voter discrimination to pre-clear any new voting practices or procedures. And it, essentially what this did was it required uh, federal approval from the Department of Justice and show that Whatever law your state decides to make, it has to be, um, how do I say this? It has to be with the idea that it is not going to affect a minority group, it is not going to suppress them in any way, shape, or form, and it will allow everyone who is anyone to vote 
without having any issues or um, roadblocks. With that said, let's move on to some current events. Now that we know the background behind this form of injustice, let's look at some current events. Voter suppression unfortunately still exists to this day. This can range anywhere from voter IDs that the vast majority of Americans can't afford to even felony disenfranchisement, both of which I'll explain later. According to the ACLU News and AMP commentary, American Civil Liberties Union on February 3rd, 2020, they listed several forms of voter suppression. These included the following, voter ID laws, voter registration restrictions, vote purges, felony disenfranchisement, and finally gerrymandering, which essentially is when there's illegal manipulation of the polls in favor of one political party or the other. To quote the article, 36 states have identification requirements at the polls. Seven states have strict photo ID laws under which voters must present one of a limited set of forms of government-issued photo ID in order to cast a regular ballot. No exceptions. These strict ID laws are part of an ongoing strategy to suppress the vote, and unfortunately, it does work. Voter ID laws have been estimated by the U.S. Government's Accountability Office to reduce voter turnout by 2 to 3 percentage points, translating to tens of thousands of votes lost in a single state." End quote. However, 21 million U.S. citizens do not have a government-issued photo ID. This problem mostly compresses itself down to whether or not a person can afford one, which, if you're disabled or elderly, that may be very difficult to do. Hence why this is so unfair for so many Americans. Another form of voter suppression is voter purges. According to, once again, the ACLU News and AMP commentary, American Civil Liberties Union on February 3rd, 2020, voter purges are when states clean up voter rolls, but instead use the process as a method of mass disenfranchisement, purging illegible voter voters from rules for illegitimate reasons or based on inaccurate data, and often without adequate notice to the voters themselves. To quote the article, a single purge can stop up to hundreds of thousands of people from voting. Often voters only learn they've been purged when they show up at the polls on election day. This is yet again unfair to us the voter and leads us to why most people despise the voting system or are afraid their vote won't be counted. An example of this was in 2016 when Arkansas purged thousands of voters for so-called quote-unquote felony convictions, even though some of the voters had never been convicted of a felony at all at any point in their lifetime. And finally, we have felony disenfranchisement itself. According to the ACLU News and AMP commentary, American Civil Liberties Union on February 3rd, 2020, a felony conviction can come with drastic consequences, including the loss of your right to vote. But different states have different laws. Some ban voting only during incarceration. Some ban voting for life. Some ban people while on probation or parole, while other states like Maine and Vermont, for example, don't disenfranchise people with felony convictions at all. The fact that these laws vary so dramatically only adds to the overall confusion that we, the voter, have to face, which is a form of voter suppression itself. Unfortunately, for some odd weird reason, certain states are still rather racially biased and use this as a means to convict people of false crimes and unfortunately people of color are most affected. 
An example of this was in Iowa when a system of permanent disenfranchisement paired with the most disproportionate incarceration rate of black people in the nation resulted in the disenfranchisement of an estimated one in four voting age black men. With that said, let's move on to some possible solutions to end this. Now, as bad as this all sounds, there are a few solutions and even a process that could help us begin to fix this problem. Now that we have talked about the history and also some current events, the question still remains. How do we stop this from happening in the future? According to Bria McNeil, there's still time to fight voter suppression. Here's how. Here's how you can fight voter suppression. On July 20th, 2020, she wrote, The Democratic majority U.S. in the House has passed several measures, including 2019's H.R. 1, or for, for the People Act, which expands voting rights, limits partisan gerrymandering, and strengthens ethical rules. As we can see, there are things being done up top in the Senate to ensure these injustices are put to rest for good. However, there are still some things you can do to make a difference and help put an end to voter suppression. First off, educating yourself. Take time to read up on what you need to know to vote. Use websites that provide personalized ballots based on your address or political party. Find information on the candidates, contact information, policy questions, and their plans if elected. Second, determine how you want to vote. Do you wish to do it via an email or do you wish to do it in person? If you're more of an in-person type voter, check to see where the nearest poll locations are. And if you can't find any close by, please contact local election boards and request more information if need be. However, if you're doing it by email due to a pandemic, (coughs) 2020, (coughs) some trash. Sorry about that, uh, throw must just be dry from all this talking. Anyways, just be sure to check that your state approves it, and if they do, don't, be sure to call ahead and ask for alternatives that are supported by your state. Now, the third thing you can do is just simply being prepared for the worst. Be ready to call it any bad practices. Bring multiple forms of identification just in case one of them doesn't work. And if you're disabled, feel free to call ahead and see if they have curbside assistance. Finally, if you still feel you wish to help in other ways, then consider volunteering. There are tons of organizations that fight these suppressions, some of which include Black Voters Matter Fund, Let America Vote, and American Civil Liberties Union, and so on and so forth. Oh, and one more thing. If you're looking for a reason or just one of those people who doesn't believe this stuff still exists in today's world, then here are some statistics that show why you should care and help those affected by voter suppression. According to the ACLU, News and AMP commentary, American Civil Liberties Union on February 3rd, 2020, they recorded 70% of Georgia voters purged in 2018 were black. Across the country, one in 13 black Americans cannot vote due to disenfranchisement laws. One third of voters who have a disability report difficulty voting. Only 40% of polling places fully accommodate people with disabilities. Across the country, counties with larger minority populations have fewer polling sites and poll workers per voter. Six in ten college students coming from out of state to New Hampshire are being blocked just because they have out of state residence uh, driver's licenses. It's statistics like these that show something must be done. For as stated before, voting should be a pain-free process for everyone. It shouldn't matter if you're black, Hispanic, disabled, or elderly, or from out of a state. You should be able to vote and cast your opinion without a hitch. Finally, if I had to guess what would happen if these statistics kept growing or these laws never changed or nothing was done, 
then my guess is that we would lose the thing that makes America so great. Having a say of what happens with with the country and having an opinion. This alone is what sets us apart from other countries, since most don't have this ability for their governments just don't simply support it, certain number or group of people. But with that said, remember that voting suppression still exists and it is up to us, the American people, to make the change needed to end this injustice in our modern day society. For as Abe Lincoln once said, democracy is the government of the people, by the people, for the people. But with that said, thank you for listening and tuning into today's episode of Injustice in America. And tune in next week when Injustice in America looks into racial injustice and the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm your host, Dylan Blanchard. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of your day.